Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Included in this book are highlights and notes in the margin. This is the Notable Podcast, and these are the discussions of twin pastors who share their underlining and highlighting with you. This is Season 7, Life Reframed, a podcast on Ecclesiastes. Well, here we are, Jonathan. I can't believe it, but this is, oh, this is poetic. This is downright poetic for so many reasons. I, I got I got a bunch I want to share with you, but here we are. We are just days. We are literally just days from the new year. At least that's when this is coming out. And it's poetic because of what we're going to cover today. We're hoping to cover Ecclesiastes 3. 1 to 15 it's it, it's also poetic because we're gonna hear one of the most beautiful stunning most enigmatic ambiguous poems well at least some people say in all of scripture and it's also poetic because this episode this one right here brings to a close this this season of the notable podcast we are we've put in a good effort (laughs) at least the best one that we can offer on reframing our lives with solomon with the book of ecclesiastes here we are we are on the precipice welcome to the notable podcast here as we uh, enter a new year together and uh, i want to invite you to please do subscribe it's it's our hope that we'll be able to bring you more books of the Bible in the future. Uh, we don't have anything to announce right now, but we do have a fantastic episode, not because we're great, but because Solomon is. This is wonderful. You, you didn't honestly think as listeners that we were going to skip Ecclesiastes chapter three, which is the most famous poetry in all of the book, did you? <laughs> and it, it might be the most you know, right up there with Psalm 23, this is this has got to be some of the most famous poetry in the whole Bible, maybe. And, and programmatic. We're gonna make. I'm, I'm gonna make some programmatic claims about it later in the in the podcast. Stay tuned in. But this is huge stuff. It's it's devastating. It's it's beautiful. It. It positions us rightly in God's world. I mean, this is this is incredible, and I think we're going to have to just read in a second. But like we did last time, I think Jonathan, what we need to do is take give people two reasons why they they got to listen to this word from Solomon from Ecclesiastes three one to fifteen. I'm going to give one, and then I want you to give one. Here, here's the reason why I want you to listen to. Um, this word, this 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 poetry, but also his interpretation of his own poetry, following it. Um, just a few weeks ago, Queen Elizabeth of the United Kingdom, she was supposed to attend the General Synod of the Church of England, and she couldn't because of her bad health. She was she was hospitalized, and even on this side of the pond, as they say, th- this is the headline that came across. And uh, not the this was the headline right here. Queen sends poignant message after canceling outing. None of us can slow the passage 
of time. None of us can slow the passage of time. And one thing, we could learn many things from Solomon here, here today, but he's going to make that absolutely crystal clear that, that time comes bearing down on us like, um, like a steamroller. And, and there's no margins at, at the edges to kind of squeak by. We, we just have to deal with it. We have to deal, we have to deal with time. And Solomon is going to bring this, this word that it, it's going to steamroll us. And um, I, I think we need to hear this word. We need to hear this word. He's going to give us three ways, uh, actually four, right? Four ways that we can respond to the advance and the devastating effects of time. But that's that's the reason why I, I want you to listen, Jonathan. You give one too. Like, why should we tune in to Solomon here today? Ecclesiastes well, chapter poem, three. The poem is gripping. I, I, that's that's the reason I want to expand on it. The, the opening poem is gripping, and Solomon's commentary on the poem is similarly gripping. It's this gripping. Uh, did you know that Solomon holds the distinction of being the only biblical writer that I know of who sits in the company of, of artists like Adele, Justin Bieber, Ed Sheeran, and The Weeknd? Um, all of these artists hit number one. <laughs> Solomon holds this on the Billboard Hot 100, and Solomon did as well. And I, I, some of you are going to know this. And if you don't know this, you need to go to, on Spotify after you listen to this and um, even stop right now and go listen to it and then jump on the podcast later, however you want to do it. But this is what happened. Solomon pens this little poem. It is a very, it, it, it is a very short poem and we'll go over it and interpret it for you in just a moment. But then what happened was the folk singer, Peter Seeger, picks up the poem um, he actually rips it wholesale out of the book of Ecclesiastes. He adds just seven words. He adds the word turn, and then he adds the words, I swear it's not too late. Um, and then he uh, puts a little tune to it. Well, uh, a band called The Birds reworks the music, and the song goes straight to the top. And this today is known as the song, song by The Birds called Turn, Turn, Turn. And it is a it, it's a stunning it's a stunning song. This is just an aside, but the words "turn, turn, turn" are actually a pretty good interpretation of the poem. And we'll we'll talk about that. Timothy, you already talked about that a little bit as we refer to times and seasons, the way that that works in our lives. Things are turning. Um, one one interesting historical note is that for Seeger. Um, he adds the words, I swear it's not too late. He adds that in a place of the poem where it's talking about peace as opposed to war. And he actually turns his song into a little bit of a war protest. Solomon's poem is obviously not a war protest. This is just an interesting historical fact. But here, um, it is worth listening to the song, keeping that in mind. Um, it's a helpful interpretation of of the poem and it is the it is the bible with the exception of those words set to music verbatim verbatim so i listen to it just you know i just for the poem it's a, it's an incredible poem it's an incredible poem it 
it hit the top hundred. It 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 has moved people worldwide. It and 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 finally, it, the Queen's right. Time is going to advance. It's going to frustrate us. It's going to devastate us. And Solomon wants to teach us what to do about it. I want to read it. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And by the way, this is the perfect verse, I think, for New Year's. <laughs> and I even the writers of the re lectionary recognize that. So this is the chosen, one of the chosen lessons for New Year's Eve. And this is just a great reflection around this time of year. So this is what it says. There is a season for everything, a time for everything, and a season for every activity on the, under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does this so that people will fear him. Whatever is, has already been, and what will be, has been before, and God will call the past to account. There it is. It's. I just want to let that set in for a second. Just, just reading it, just so beautiful, Jonathan. So beautiful. The poem. Just to comment on the structure, the poem is three one to eight, and it should be experienced as poetry. And we'll say more about that in a moment. And then what you have in verses 9 through 15, uh, which we just read, is really Solomon's reflection on the poem. So he's thinking about what it means for our lives. Now, the way that we want to do this today is instead of going through this text, I guess, expositionally straight through, what we want to do is take the text in application. So we're going to we're going to deal with the entire text, but we're going to deal with it in application. And we have four applications of the text. And if you're patient with us, we're going to take you through the entire text. But we're going to do it through application. And the first thing that we want to say um, about the text is it makes us more humble. 
So it makes us more humble. And Timothy, I'm going to let you take us into that. Yeah, it it really does. And and just to show you that, I want to just pull out a couple things and notice a couple things in the poem itself, but also just want to show you and reflect back uh, on Solomon's interpretation of it. In verse 9, he says, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. And what that phrase is really talking about is it, what it's doing is interpreting interpreting this poem that we have up here. And so we want to kind of understand it that way. What it What is this burden? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Solomon says this. It, he goes... He starts in verse 2 there with the most extreme circumstances of our life. Um, he says, a time to be born and a time to die. So he's, he, you'll notice that in the poem, he's often doing polar opposites. And these are things that we have no control over. So we don't, we don't decide who we're born to, where we're born, when we're born, how we come into the world, who... What our, who our parents are. We're just born. And we're, we're shoved rudely out of the world. We blink, open our eyes, and we have to say, what are we doing here? So this is, this is, um, this is part of t- times, uh, y- you know, advance that just keeps going and it keeps going. And then the opposite is also true. We don't get to decide when we die, where we die, how we die. It, it just, it, we, we become so powerless that we can't even lift our, lift our chest one more time. So he's saying, look, every, from the very beginning to the very end, we have very, very little control over our lives. It, 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 it just, life and death happen to us. And, you know, he, he wants to push that in our lives. This is, this is the burden. So if, if you keep going, he, for a while he, he's doing these polar opposites um, positively, positively. But then he switches it and then he says a time to kill and a time to heal. So then he's naming the negative thing and then moving to the positive. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to know exactly how he's moving through these, really these antonyms, if you want to call them that, or these polar opposites. But one thing that we can definitely say that he's doing here is he, he, he is saying um, in one moment, this is how absurd, how burdensome life is. In one moment, we are absolutely convinced that we're doing the right thing. And then time advances and we're doing the exact polar opposite thing and we're equally convinced that it's the only right thing to be doing. <laughs> and we have no control over it. None. And I'll just, I'll just give one example of this, just to kind of bring this home. Um, there's, there's this phrase, uh, a time to kill, this is verse 3, and a time to kill, kill or heal. So I'm meaning my words right now. But one, one commentator puts it this way. Sometimes a shepherd finds a lamb torn by wolves and knows that it's not yet a time to kill. It's a time to heal that little lamb. But as, as that lamb grows into a sheep and then ages and then finally is attacked by wolves 
near the end of its life, the shepherd has to make the polar opposite decision. And that same lamb that he healed, he now has a, a knife held to its throat. And this is, the, this is the burdensome, absurd way that life functions, Solomon says. We have no control over these things. We simply can choose to do the right thing in its right season. Did I cover that well, Jonathan? Or do you want to, what else do you want this to add a, on? This is a massive reframing of our lives. Because if we thought before that our lives were self-chosen and self-made, Solomon takes that sense of agency that supports that kind of thinking and he, and he really devastates it. And I want to I wanna take everybody through um, just an interpretation of the psalm to help make that clear. Um, I think we stand with Walter Kaiser here, um, who said that this is some of the the least well understood poetry in in the Bible. Um, psalm twenty three is poetry that everybody understands really well, thankfully, but this is poetry that is not understood well. Um, that what the poet poetry claims is that God has a plan for the world and that God is doing things in our lives. And most of it, that we're gonna turn down agency, we're not gonna turn it off, is that most of it um, just happens to us. So Solomon enters the poem and, and he says, did you decide when you were born? No, that happened to you. Do you decide when you're gonna die? No. That also happens to you. The dates, uh, the other, the rest of the canon of Scripture tells us the same thing. Our lives are, our, our times are in God's hands. They're not in our times. So Solomon starts out his poem. This is the, this is the beginning of his poem, and he says, "Look, you are not in charge of your own life. It's, it's unchosen by you." And then he goes on and he shows you that even the parts of your life that you think you're choosing. They are un also unchosen by you. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. So if you just keep going through um, the poem, what he does is he, is he takes, he starts the poem, and he says, look, the start of, the first date on your tomb tombstone, not chosen by you. Um, the last date on your tombstone, not chosen by you. And nothing in between is either. <laughs> so he starts out and he says, look, times of killing, times of healing, not chosen. Your relationships are actually if you think about it, not in a sense, not really chosen. We actually happen to be alive at the same time. You know, <laughs> I didn't choose you for a brother, you know, uh, in a sense, um, my, I, I'm married to my wife partly because she's alive at the same time I am <laughs> um, un, unchosen by, by both of us. So uh, then just keep, just keep going through the poem then um, connected to these ideas is that obviously our experiences in our lives are also unchosen by us so we weep and we laugh and we mourn and and we dance and a lot of it it just it just happens to us Some, sometimes like um Melanie and i were just my wife we were talking about this there's a a man who lives close to us um young man and he died and and that family is going to be mourning here during during Christmas, and then other families are going to be enjoying time together. And and neither one, in a sense, chose that. It was it was it happens to them. Even the styles, if you think about it, and this is in the poem as well. 
happen to us. So Solomon will talk about um, stones. Sometimes they're cast away and sometimes they're gathered up. And, and you just watch HG, HGTV and you, and you find this out, like sometimes granite is in and, and sometimes marble is in. And you, I don't want the granite anymore and people are casting stones away. And then, and then the next thing like marble is in, we all want marble and they're gathering up the stones. So even the building materials in our lives, Solomon argues, like, I chose the granite. Well, sort of, <laughs> like, sort of, you're caught up in a cultural moment, just like you were with those bell-bottom jeans. You know, sometimes you mend them up and sometimes you throw them away. And that's exactly what Solomon is saying. All of it, all of it, all of it, it, it happens to you. It happens to you. And we have to deal with that. And what we're yeah. saying here is it this humbles us. It turns down our sense of agency. Right. And just to just to move a little bit more into application, the only thing left for us to do is to yield to these seasons. So so for some of you, this is a time of weeping. That we don't get to choose whether it's that time or not. We can only decide to reject it or yield to it. And uh, for some of us, it's a time of searching. But for some of us, we need to give up. Um, so one theologian put it this way, and I, this was really helpful for me. He said, our choices are no freer than our response to winter. Our, I Just think about that. That, that, that. That's the seasonal language. Our choices are no freer than our response to winter. So you can, you can act like it isn't winter. You can act like it's not 10 degrees outside at least up here in New York, Jonathan, you can you can decide not to wear a jacket, but it's stupid. It's foolish. Put on a jacket and yield to the season. And that and that's for our emotional life, our spiritual life. The, Solomon is putting, he's positioning us, in other words, under the sovereignty of God's plan, underneath time that he hasn't said that God controls it yet, but he's going to, um, but to put ourselves under God and yield to the seasons, whatever they may be. So, and exactly. So he's not. He turns down our agency. He doesn't. He doesn't turn it off. And what what we want to do right now is live within those times and seasons wisely. So, two quick examples of that. One is plant corn in the spring, not the fall. You know, this is, you know. This is true organically. It's also true in life in other ways. Like, here's another example. Um, the same, it's true that the same man in one lifetime can go and have a gun in his hand and be a part of an army somewhere and pull the trigger. Maybe he's an American soldier. So then he comes home and the same man, he was he was in a time of war now he's in a time of peace so he comes home he's on the gi bill and he becomes a doctor and he uses those same hands that he had once used in a morally correct way to kill somebody and he comes home and in the same way he's using those same hands to heal two different seasons both times in which this man lived wise, wisely and correctly under God's sovereign plan. That that's part of yielding and it's also part of the 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 absurdity and the the frustration that we feel in in this seasonal and and, and sinful um, world that we we currently live in. 
Now, so Solomon does want to take away most of our agency. I mean, I, I was having my dis a discussion with my wife, like how, wh what things are we even free to choose then? And Solomon, Solomon actually keeps, he really humbles us. And he's like, you actually don't, you free will, forget about it, <laughs> you know. But there are a couple of things, he's going to say, that that would fall underneath our sovereignty and underneath our agency. And he's going to name them. And for now, we're going to skip verse 11, which is really a consequential verse. But I, to, in order to see just where we can focus our agency and really be set free. So Solomon says this, I know. So this is he. This is an observation that he makes. So he says, I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy. So that's one thing that we can do. He's going to put that within our agency. And to do good, there's the second thing, while they live. So seasons are going to be roll over our heads. Like pandemics are going to come. Social movements are going to come. Governments are going to act. And the truth of the matter is we have no control over these things. The only thing, thing that we can do, like we just said, is yield to them. And now this is be this is also under control under our under our agency, how we respond to them in our hearts, how we respond to them uh, spiritually, and and this is where things get really really Christian and really really beautiful. Like we could we could become bitter, we could become envious, we could become really really angry. But Solomon, I really want people to hear this. What Solomon says is, let everything roll off your back like water off a duck and focus on where you have agency in the first place is in your heart. <laughs> and he says, I, I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy or content or, or satisfied with what, with what God is giving. I want to just stop there for a second and see if you wanted to fill in anything that I missed on that first thing that's really underneath our agency. Can so focus many things in on that. just happen to us, but we can control how we respond to it and what we do with it. And one thing that one thing that we can say, and we should say, is, for example, right now we live in a time of, uh, I would. I would say it's a time of anger and hostility in a lot of ways and, and division. And we, we can't control that. None of us can control that. But I'll tell you what we can do as a church. We can live with love and truth and peace. We live in a time of hostility, but we, we can enjoy our lives from God's hand. We don't have to be angry right now. You know, we, we can talk. We talked in this podcast at length about why we can be. And we can love people and seek peace and give them truth. That much is under our control. And it, there's, a, there's a, you know, uh, Timothy, we, we talked about this um, off the air. But there's a, just a wonderful prayer that many people pray. 
that is very helpful. Um, it it gathers up theologically what the poetry um, gives you in an experience. Um, and it's a, a prayer by the American theologian, Reinald Niebuhr. Um, he writes a prayer very famous um, called the Serenity Prayer. And it kind of, get, it really gathers up some of these ideas. It adds one more that we're gonna cover later, but he says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. So there's, he's turning down your agency. Courage to change the things I can see. And so we're thinking about what, where can I have agency? We can, we can live under these times um, in submission to these times with wisdom in these times. And we can, we can love, love people and the wisdom to know the difference. It's a beautiful prayer. Mm, yeah. And it's it's beautiful to think that way. So, so far we've said we want to yield to the seasons. We also want to focus on what's under our agency, so our heart's peace. So we don't want to let external circumstances dictate our peace. That There's nothing Christian about that. Instead, we want to, we want to let the gospel and God's promises determine our heart's peace. And we also want to just be honest about the way life is. Like there, there's an element here of honesty. And I, I just want to tell a story. I think we got two dog stories, but I'll tell my, I'll tell a dog story. And I want to, I want to put it in into the, you know, tot, link it up with verse six. Verse six, where Solomon says, "There's a time to search, and a time to give up." And this is just honestly how life works, that um, I, I had a dog named Cooper. He's a beautiful mini golden doodle. We, he was very special in my wife and I's life. He, this was a time when we weren't able to have children for a number of years. And um, we lost him. Actually, Jonathan, you lost him. <laughs> Yes, I and did. <laughs> we were we a man and I had just had our daughter Brooke, and Cooper escaped through the gate, Jonathan, while you were watching him, and he <laughs> was gone. He was gone um, for three days, and it was it was a, it was such a um, a bittersweet moment because there I was holding my brand new infant daughter, and my dog was gone who I also treasured and we decided that we were going to do everything we could to find Cooper so a time to search we went, looked everywhere for him we put up signs I, I searched the internet and three days later and by the way in New York City what, what a, a lot of these stray dogs these runaway dogs they end up in dog fights and they're dead or in a traffic accident so everyone was saying, you're never going to find them. Well, I got an email from these dog searchers that were helping me. And apparently, there's these people that help reunite lost pets with their owners. And they said, is this your dog? And they emailed over a photo of this, this dog who looked like a little criminal. He's like this. And it was Cooper. And we rejoiced. And we went and got him. I, I can. It was such an amazing moment. I'll, I'll never forget it. Reunited with Cooper, um, and then we blinked, 
and time moved on and the season changed. And I'll never forget also the time when Cooper was a really sick dog. He would he had seizures and we gave him medicine and everything. And sometimes they were grand mal, so he'd lose control of his bowels and, and everything else. And it was very painful for us to watch. And I think it was painful for him too. And I, I finally said to my wife, I said, Amanda, we have to put him down. So we gathered the family around and say, say goodbye to Cooper. And we lost it. And it was a time to give up. This, this is what Solomon's showing us. That life is, is burdensome. It's, it's frustrating on this side of Eden. And uh, we have to just be honest about that. Life is not hard. And we vacillate between doing one thing and then we do it as the exact opposite. Sometimes we're searching, but other times we're just giving up. And we're, and we're absolutely convinced in our hearts that's the right thing to do. Well, it, and this is where I, I want to build on what you said. I also want to build on what Niebuhr said in his prayer. He said he asked God to help him accept the things that he cannot change. And this is where I want to show everybody something that's really profound. Solomon says a lot of very profound things in his work. I think this is, is has got to be one of the top most profound things he says. Um, he said this is verse eleven. He says God has made everything beautiful in its time. We're going to come back to that. This is what I want to focus on. God has also set eternity in the human heart. Wow. I mean, that is a massive, massive statement. It, it, it shows you that God, this is why human beings, we all have this ache, this realization that there's more to life than this. God has set eternity in the human heart. And yet, this is ascension now, he goes on, he says, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So what Solomon is saying is we live with this incredible tension. All of us want to understand why our lives are happening the way they are. What is, what is the reason for this? What is the narrative behind this? How, how is the arc of my life making sense I, I i was just talking to my wife we, we went on a walk this morning with the dog and i i told you about this this neighbor who who tragically died and we're walking past this um this man's house and all these cars and melanie and her looking at it and, and you know i i'm thinking about it like how does this make sense this man had has five young sons how does this make sense how does this uh, how does this work in in the in the beautiful plan of god we ache all of us ache this is the tension um we god set eternity in our hearts but we can't grasp it we just cannot see the the the, the narrative we know that it's beautiful we sense this like we look around creation this is part of what psalm is saying in, in the verse we look at a sunset god has made it it's beautiful we look at a um, at, at a beautiful bird, it's it, it's God made it. It's it's beautiful. We're told in the scriptures that there's this salvation arc to everything that God is doing. 
we grasp that on a theological level, and yet when we see it played out in our own lives, we can't see it. There's still mystery that's involved in our lives. There's this unquenchable thirst, and it's not quite, um, it's not quite ever um, found in this life. And, and so what we're talking about, there, there's these enigmas, right? There's like, why does suffering happen? Why, what's, what's going on here? Like, I, 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 just this is a, a quick story from the summer. Um, I experienced these enigmas. I'm only telling these stories so you can think of the own, your own enigmas in your own life. Like, how does this, how does this all make sense? But there's a, there's a, there's a massive lake in South Carolina. Um, fun little fact about South Carolina, but we have no natural lakes. They're only dammed ones. Anyway, there's a huge mm. lake um, right by our state capital called Lake Murray. And I had the chance to go out with um, my wife's aunt and uncle who now live on Lake Murray. And we go out on this massive, beautiful lake. And we're, we're going out early in the morning because there, apparently there's now, and I know this, in fact, that there's one of the most amazing um, experiences you can have in God's creation is like 45 minutes from my house. There's over a million purple martins that roost on one small island in Lake Murray. And so every morning at the mm. same time, they take off and it's like watching something off that series, planet Earth. It's just amazing. You look up in the sky and there's just hundreds of thousands of birds all in the air at the same time. And they take off this take off from this this um, this island called Bomb Island. Well, anyway, we're out there and we're watching this. The sun is rising. There's thousands, hundreds of thousands of birds over our head, and I'm the only one in the boat who got hit by a bird bomb. <laughs> everybody oh. said everybody said that it's because of my head is bald and it would be easy to clean off. I didn't quite so buy it, but that's the first enigma. The second enigma that happened was. We get back to the house. We have this new puppy. Um, we're doodle people because I have ad allergies. So we're doodle people. We have this new puppy. We take the puppy inside and the puppy's playing too hard and she busts her leg into it's really bad and she's just screaming in pain. And so we have to run off to the animal hospital. And I'm sitting there with this dog quivering next to my chest because she's in so much pain. And I'm, I say to my wife, you know, we're driving to we're driving to the animal hospital and I and I just ask her what like, why why how does this make sense and and it's not I don't tell the story and I know you didn't tell the story about Cooper because we care about dogs so much we're pastors we care about people more than anything else and we're called to that but to just help us all think through the enigmas in our lives everybody has them and we do have to wrestle with them and what we don't want to do is try to solve through speculative theology these problems that's when we end up hurting other people now i'm thinking about the, the podcast we did with with joe we actually don't know um often why these things happen to us it's a mystery it's a mystery. and that's the honesty that we're talking about yeah. How does this all work in God's beautiful plan? I don't I don't know. And and it's okay to it's it's okay to just leave it there and just say, you know what, God, I don't I don't understand this and and to live by faith. So, you know, so far we've talked about 
we want to yield we want to yield to the seasons we also want to stay focused on the things that we can control our hearts and our interactions with our neighbors uh, we also want to we want to um, leave the mystery there and then finally and I think this is the best way to close up our podcast um, and close up our 2022 you know leave this book on on the on a hopeful note on a very this is so hopeful this is so hopeful and there's really two verses that I want to just read again um, some people call um, this section the Romans 8:28 of the Old Testament so this is so this is so so good there's nothing meaningless about this it, so Solomon says this two things I just want to notice this is verse 14 and then I want to go to the heart of it in in verse in verse 11 but ver, verse 14 says this I know this is so this is a second observation and this is by the way one of his most beautiful confessions of faith this is what this oh, is like this is I so know that strong. my redeemer lives like this, this is, is so a, strong like don't let anyone come down on the book of ecclesiastes as if it's all negative it's really not I, this is a beautiful confession of faith this this is this is better than the apostles creed like this is biblical i know listen this is so good i know that everything god does will endure forever nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it God does this so that people will fear him. And this is another way of saying Christ is king. He has his hand over the seasons. He is king over your weeping and king over your laughing. He is king over your mourning and king over your dancing. He is king over your birth. He is king over your death. He is king over your war and king over your peace. He is king over everything and he is absolutely sovereign and there's no more hopeful thought than that. And so Solomon says, fear him. Trust him, in other words. This is reverence him. This is it's your call God. Of faith. Yeah. This is I mean, whoa. That that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And this another confession of faith. This is verse eleven. This is really going to the heart of Solomon's faith. He says this, not only does it endure forever what God does, he says, he has made everything beautiful. That's huge. Beautiful that in huge. its time. Oh, is it? it, it so the, the, the very best way, this is my best illustration, try to get at the truth that we have here. And this is, oh man, if we can, if we can really get this, we're going to get the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to be okay in 2022, no matter what comes. That's right. Come on. <laughs> um, it, it, this is going to sound a little bit like Forrest Gump, but hang with me. Like, life is like not a box of chocolates, but life is like a thousand-piece puzzle. That's how I think of it. But you don't have the picture on the box. And you don't have 999 of the pieces. You've only got your one little piece. And your one little piece might be even mostly darkness, like shades of darkness. But then there's like this, this streak of bright glory in it. 
and you're looking at it and you're just you're just muddled like god you say how how does this make sense how does this fit into your plan uh, and solomon says that like no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So you're looking at your little piece and you're just mystified. I don't get it. I don't know why that had to happen to me. I don't know why I had to suffer that loss. But I know that you, God, are good. And you sent your son, Jesus, to redeem me from sin, to give me eternal life. You've proclaimed that in my heart, eternity is set there. And God, I trust in you. I know that it's beautiful. And then one day we're going to get there. And we're going to see Jesus face to face, like we say in Job. And and we're going to say, Jesus, here's my one little puzzle piece. And he'll say, give it to me. And he'll fit it right perfectly where it belongs. And we'll all be able to stand back and we'll get it. We'll say, wow. I couldn't see it then but now I can. And and, and don't, don't you feel the hope just rising up in your heart? I mean, this is, this is so beautiful. Solomon's confession of faith. You have made everything beautiful in its time. It's, it, it deserves so much. It, it, and Timothy, you did such a beautiful job. This is really a call to faith. God lays this burden on us. See, we've been talking about this enigma, this burden. God lays the burden on us so that we will look up to God and trust him and trust the plan. And what, what Solomon says here, and, and everybody, you, you, you talked about this so beautifully, and I use that word very sensitively, that, that God's plan is more than righteous. It's, it's more than just good. Solomon uses the word beautiful. So this is something more than just morally right. There is something that is captivating and aesthetically pleasing about what God is doing with your life, with my life. It's beautiful. You have to, you have to put this in the same picture as, as Niagara Falls and, and great friendships and, and deep love. God's plan is not just right. It's not just correct. It's not just morally, you know, um, true. It's beautiful. That's what Solomon is claiming. Um, man, I, I hope we're, I, this is why we ended on this. Because the, the book of Ecclesiastes, when, when you grasp what it is at its heart, is a call to faith. It's a witness from Solomon about what he believes about God and his Christ. Amen. And I'll just say this. I'll just say this. We have spent hours teaching on this book now. And my, my plea my prayer is to advance our listeners. We did this in Job too. So many people don't advance past Job 1 and 2. And one of the things we wanted to do in that season is advance people past sort of this this blurry and and um, eighth grade version of the book of Job. 
And I hope that we've advanced anyone who's been tagging along past Ecclesiastes 1 and 2. So many people just get thrilled with the meaninglessness of it all. But you, we get to chapter 3, and all of a sudden we have these brilliant, shining, beautiful, captivating confessions of faith about who God is, how beautiful his plan is, how it frustrates us and leaves us wondering how could it be that it is beautiful. But Solomon, mm, this is just a, a book. You know, we started the season, Jonathan, saying this, that um, we wanted to reframe our lives and, and move into the daily, the the normal, the um, inconsequential, even into how to drink and how to have a good dinner and like the Pennsylvania coal miner, the light coming down into the mundane. What I think what Solomon by the power of the spirit has achieved here is that he's not only reframed those reframed those small moments, but also the big ones, the massive losses, the grief, the heartache, the, um, the gifts of childbirth, death, the the dancing at weddings, the burial of a spouse, like all of it, none of it escapes Christ who is king. None of it. And, and so, you know, 2022, we don't know what it brings. We have no idea. But what we do know is that God is faithful, that he is at work in what he does matters, what he does endures. What he does is beautiful. I wanna I wanna make two closing comments of my own, Timothy. That was really beautiful. The the first closing comment I want to make on this season um, is a is a negative one. Um, in in this sense, I, I wanna call people to stop whoever you are out there, stop yearning for a different life. Just stop it. Why? Because it's yours. And it's, first of all, it's a terrible sin. It's paid for by Jesus. (laughs) But it is a terrible sin to envy somebody else's life. And it's also a terrible shame. (laughs) But why would you want somebody else's life? I want to tell you why You, you might. You might be envious if somebody else's life want it. The reason why is because you don't know yours well enough. If you actually saw... Just imagine this. You can't. This is the, this is our ache. But if we actually all saw how our life, your life, fits like a jigsaw puzzle into God's masterpiece in such a beautiful way, we would never want somebody else's life. We would embrace our own. And the only reason we don't is because we can't see it. And so what we want to do is we want to see and believe with Solomon that our life is a part of that. And part of that is, is, you know, stop wanting a different life. Embrace your own. Your life is a part of the puzzle piece. It's not just, it's, in other words, it's not, just, it's not just righteous and justified. We've talked about that in this, in this podcast. Um, it's also a beautiful part of God's 
plan. So that's the negative side. Here's the here's the positive side, and this is where I'm going to say exactly what you said. <laughs> mm, good. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say exactly what you said. This is this is the Romans eight of the Old Testament. This is a strong statement of God's power. Nobody can add to what he has done. Nobody can subtract from it. Your life is in God's hands. Romans, your life and your death, Romans 8 says that. There's no actor that can act apart from me, from him. Um, Romans 8 says that too. There's not an angel. There's not a demon. There's not a season. Romans 8 says that too. There is nothing in all of creation that can take away or add to what God has done in Christ. Romans 8 chapter, Romans chapter 8 says the exact same thing. Everything, there's times, there's seasons, everything changes except God and his love for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, he started preaching there. Beautiful, thank you. I think, Jonathan, this is this season. We have to recognize and yield to the seasons now. And we have to let this book go. <laughs> and it's going to be it, hard. It's, it's, hard. It's, a, it's a beautiful book. And I know I'll always come back it with renewed joy. And um, I'm not sure how long we're going to be off the podcast. That'll be up to God more than it is up to us if we're going to believe God's word here. But it is our intention to come back. What season number was this? Season 7? We we can say, I think it was season 7. So we can say, if this truly is season 7, <laughs> that we have every intention of coming back. Um, as we say in Spanish, primero Dios. <laughs> to come back with season eight. So thanks for joining with us. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to The Notable Podcast. You can check out our other seasons on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are enjoying this ministry and are so moved to support it, please visit us at www.thenotablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.